0: So, uh, were you coming from LA earlier? No, I went over to his house. His the people he lives with. Uh-huh. They're having a birthday party for the girl that lives there, and she's a wrestler at Santa Ana. Oh yeah. Yeah. What so are you guys
1: barbecuing? Carnesada. Yeah. Yeah. It looked Chicken. like
0: hamburger. Hamburger. Yeah. Was that? I don't think it was carne asada. I think it was hamburger. His hamburger meat. It was. You guys eat already? Or are you gonna go yeah, eat after well, we, this? No, we ate over there. Oh, okay. So, so what happened is he he didn't have anywhere to live, mm-hmm. and then I helped him get a job at a bowling alley. Okay, which bowling alley? Fountain Valley Bowl. Okay. So the girl that wrestled at Santa Ana, her father works there, and so he helped get Anthony a job there, and then they took Anthony in. So Anthony rents a room from them now. So they're kind of his surrogate parents. And kind of helping him out a little bit, giving them a place to stay, and kind of guiding and direct them a little, keep them on the straight yeah, and narrow. Keep on a straight and narrow, man. Yeah. So the daughter is eight, just turned 18. She's a senior at Santa Ana. She's a wrestler. Okay. Very good one. Pretty good little wrestler. Girls wrestling has taken off, exploded. Well, across. girls MMA's taken off, man. Yeah. I, you know, I've mm-hmm. been
1: watching it grow, and that's amazing. Yeah. So. That's cool. So, are, are girls allowed to? I mean, so there's enough girls now where they yeah, wrestle they each their other? Yeah, own, they have
0: own their own CIF, their own state championships. How right, long has this California? been going on for now? Um, t- Ten you know, years. Okay. It's just blown up in the last three or four. Mm-hmm. Over 20 colleges in the last three years have added girls wrestling. Okay. Yeah. So right. it's taken off, and a lot more girls, I think, are going to be wrestling mm-hmm. than boys pretty soon. So, but it's helped keep boys wrestling or men's wrestling in colleges. Mm-hmm. So uh, for a while, their men's wrestling was being cut because of Title IX. Mm-hmm. Well, now that they've brought girls wrestling back to college, mm-hmm. it's bringing more men's program uh, wrestling programs back to colleges too. So, that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that's going on, man.
1: Yeah, I get my daughter and my youngest one get her in wrestling. Well,
0: at least give her a try. Yeah, my son yeah. does
1: taekwondo. He's 11. He's a uh-huh. he's a, a black belt and and wow. he, he likes it Now I'm uh-huh. ready to put him In something else I think I might put him In wrestling
0: hey, doesn't it doesn't hurt
1: to try Yeah he, he needs it. I'm tired of him Laying down always On the iPad all the yeah. time I try to take it away From him he goes I need it for school The school's give oh. him iPads now Yeah, And I've had the, I have it out With the teacher before I go dude I go, can I? I go, can I take that thing away from him? I go, because he's on it all the time. Right. We've taken all the phones, everything away. Yeah. And it, you know, and he goes. On. I go, is there any way I can? It shuts off at a certain time. He can this and program that. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, he's on YouTube, and I go, how can he get on YouTube if it's a school, right. you know, iPad. So I yeah. don't know. Maybe I should go in there and, and, and take a look at it. But I mean, I could barely run a podcast. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Let's get this podcast started. Yep. Thank you, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Stephen G. Gaxiola, and you are listening to The Raider and The Saint. And I'm not going to have music again this time. I'm working on an intro, so we're just going to get right to it. My guest today is a a new friend of mine. Um, He's a coach, or was a coach, just retired, from Santa Ana High School. He... His name is Scott Glab. And if you don't know, you're going to know after this podcast. This guy guy's the man. He's also an author uh, of a book called A Saint in the City. It's a coincidence. You yeah. Know, the Raider and the Saint, Saint in the City. Uh, we linked up. One of my customers uh, knows him. And so uh, we got connected and he came. He was happy to come over here to the studio. and jump on the podcast so i'm really I'm happy excited. to have you here i also have one of his uh can i call him a pupil or wrestlers wrestler one of my form- re- former wrestlers former yeah. wrestler uh-huh. anthony i'm not i'm not gonna say the last name because i'm gonna mess it up anthony but, yeah. rivellis anthony rivellis he's in the studio we're gonna get him on the mic yeah um in a little bit but yeah so he is my guest today and i want to say uh, coach I, no i'm excited you. to be here yeah this man is fun. i'm honored to have you here man yep. I, i'm I'm real excited, mm-hmm. and. I want the people to hear hear your story. I mean, I've, I've read your book, not all of it. I got yeah. halfway through the last no, couple it's days, okay. but it was real. It was real interesting. It's not easy to get through a whole book. Period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm finding out a lot of people don't like to read. So you know but. what? My one of my coworkers, he told me the other day, and I thought, man, I go, I get home and I read maybe for about an hour Uh and I go and I start thinking about the podcast thinking about questions I'm gonna ask and I go and I lose I lose focus he goes you
0: got to get audio books because I'm so used to listening to the podcast now so I want to do that I'm trying to get this to do an audio book so if there's anybody out there that knows how I can get this into an audio book let me know I'm willing to pay I thought I had somebody and they dropped the ball on me so um, I already have it on Kindle and Amazon Mm -hmm. I want to do an audio Nice. Well, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Coach? So I originally grew up in Washington State. I started wrestling in seventh grade. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't win a match my first year of wrestling. Well, I won one match, but it was just a scrimmage. It didn't count. Nobody was keeping score except me. So basically, I guess on paper, I didn't win anything. Mm -hmm. But I just kept wrestling through high school, and uh, I found that it did a lot for my character, and I was a small kid, so I needed something belong to and be a part of and it became the sport of wrestling then I went on to college Pacific University in Forest Grove Oregon wrestled there a couple years transferred to Eastern Washington University and finished up wrestling there and coaching a little bit but since I was 16 I always wanted to be a wrestling coach and a teacher Mm -hmm. and so that was the plan I always knew that was what I wanted to do so that Mm kind of helped me get through college and when I got out of school I got uh, very depressed. I was clinically depressed and ended up into a psychiatric care unit. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was looking for a job and went back to my old high school and, and they didn't hire me. Uh, so what, I,
1: what, what, going back to depression, we were talking earlier. Yeah. I said, I, I suffered from depression. Sure. I think this is probably the first time I maybe talked about it on the uh-huh. podcast. I've, I've talked about my addiction and other parts, right. but one thing that happens when you get off of a, uh, off of uh, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, is you have a mental part, you know, and yeah. depression kicks in, and I suffered from depression, you know, and, and I'm gonna admit that on this podcast now, so that's something that I, I'm going to have a doctor that's coming on. We're going to talk about depression, but you what do should. you think? What do you think happened with, with the, the depression back? Then? How old were you when it happened?
0: I was in my early twenties, 23 and then it started getting worse at 24. And as it, I got older, it got worse. What, what uh, do you think it was? So it was a result of growing up with a father that was an alcoholic. He was kind of verbally abusive. Although my parents got divorced at seven years old, the damage was done. I had a lot of abandonment issues, rejection, uh, he just, uh, he would say he'd pick me up and take me somewhere and then he wouldn't show up. So a lot of, uh, couldn't measure up, wasn't worthy, a lot of those feelings. And so I kind of manifested it on things I could see in a mirror because I couldn't really uh, come up with a concept of why the whole adult child of an uh, alcoholic type stuff. Mm-hmm. Until I moved down to California and started getting some counseling through a pastor. Mm-hmm. It took about three years to finally realize hey, all I wanted to do was play catch with my dad. And once I figured all that out and did some, read some books and went through the therapy, and of course on medication, mm-hmm. that helped balance things out. And then to find my purpose at Santa Ana High School. I mean, mm-hmm. Honestly, Santa Ana was the last place I wanted to work when they said, Hey, Santa Ana needs a wrestling coach. I said, Santa Ana, I don't even like driving through Santa Ana alone work there. (laughs) But that was a, it was, there was nothing else. It's kind of finding how God does things. So I walked in and they said, you're hired. And I go, you didn't ask me any questions. And they said, nobody else applied for the job. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because I'm this corn fed white boy from Washington and Mm -hmm. I get thrown into this huge Hispanic culture that I had no understanding or concept of. Mm -hmm. And there was a steep learning curve for me. And there there was moments where I just wanted to get the, the hell out.
1: So, so you traveled from Washington, and you came down to Orange right. County. What, what made you the... So
0: I couldn't find a job up there, and I had a girlfriend that was a flight attendant and lived here, plus a sister that lived in Huntington, and they said, what do you have to lose? Just come down here. And mm-hmm. when I did come to visit, I hated it. And I how old were you? You were 20. I was 26 when I got down here, okay. 1988. And so the Depression was... I was, uh, I was on the medication at the time, but I wasn't really getting any help for it. And then I found that church and that pastor who kind of helped me work through all the do you remember the, the cr- church? Yeah, it was called Disciples Church in Costa Mesa. Okay. And the pastor was Mike Perkinson. He's uh-huh. now up in Montana and runs a church up there. But okay. he was the guy that kind of helped me get through the whole thing and mm-hmm. help me just understand that I did have worth. You know, mm-hmm. there is a purpose in my life and that. What my dad said to me and how he treated me doesn't really define who I am. Mm-hmm. So um, so I owe a lot to him for just helping me get through it. That's amazing, man. Mm-hmm. So when you came into
1: Santa Ana and you started coaching, how did how, you adapt? How, how did you get from zero to 100 you know
0: well it was one of those fight or flight things and a lot of people when they get into a tough situation and they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel they kind of quit they bail when i got there we were losing 72 to nothing 53 to 8 we were just getting hammered kids would say uh no habla the uh espanol el gringo that's Mm -hmm. what i am the only thing I know in Spanish is, como estas, los niños del maíz, because you ever see that movie, Children of the Corn? Yeah. That's what I thought those kids were, a bunch of demonic, possessed teenagers that were just making my life hell. So so did you do any, so you were coaching at other schools before this, yeah, right? Yeah, I coached at Marina High co- School in, for two years How and up, up in Washington. How do you compare those two schools? Ooh, <laughs> I, you know, Huntington Beach and Santa Ana, I mean, uh, that, if, if you're an OC guy, you, you don't you know the difference between the two. So, um, yeah, Santa Ana is uh, primarily Hispanic. The school is 98% Hispanic. It's got 100% reduced lunch. Uh, kids are on free or reduced lunch. At th- well, it's free lunch now. Everybody gets uh, free lunch at Santa Ana? Yeah, everybody in, everybody the in the school. Well, I'd say the whole school district probably gets it. Wow. In 2000, Santa Ana is ranked number one in the nation for economic hardship. That's based on you know poverty levels, uh, I, I, income. Of today? Uh, today, I don't think, I think it's probably up there, but in 2000 was number one in the nation. Wow! Number one in Orange County for homicides, assaults, property crimes. I even saw on Fox News once that we were number one in the nation for teen pregnancy. So Labor Day has a whole other meaning in Santa Ana, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so it's a uphill battle walking into that school, mm-hmm. that city, and wanting to make a difference and hope that you can find a way to change kids lives and and win at the same time so we weren't winning and I heard the Lord speak to me you're never gonna win here so invest in the kids Mm -hmm. so I gave up on winning because as a young coach you put your self-worth in winning you think that in order for me to be somebody to fit into the Orange County wrestling click or any sports click for that matter you have to win Mm -hmm. and that wasn't happening on top of that we had a really bad reputation we'd go out and vandalize and steal and And, uh, they were just a bunch of thugs at tournaments. So we weren't invited to tournaments. So I had to kind of change that? that whole perception that people had of us. Every time I went to a tournament and something was missing, they'd come over and ask me if my kids took somebody's purse or a backpack or a Walkman. How
1: many, how many people were on the team, kids on the team? So when I
0: started, there was about 30, but maybe 20 would show up at a time. Everybody had an excuse. I have to go pay the phone bill. I have to go to the doctor and interpret for my mom. I got to go home and vacuum. Uh, I heard them all so nothing really surprised me anymore on the excuses. It's not an easy sport It's difficult to be committed to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but once I got those kids to buy in uh, They how'd loved you get, it. How'd
1: you get them to buy in
0: building relationships with them? Not just looking at them as an athlete I think a lot of coaches look at a kid and go how can these kids help us win and I had to look at him go How can I serve those kids? How can I you know? How can my relationship with them benefit them mm-hmm. instead of how can they benefit you me in to this look, program? You had to look at it that way. It's right. Not,
1: even with this podcast, I, I, I go, mm-hmm. what am I starting this podcast for? Mm-hmm. I'm starting it because I want to be a servant. Yeah. I think that I, I realize going through everything I've been through right. is, I want to be a servant i wanted to be a teacher growing right. up i taught sunday school and sure. i finally realized like hey i'm here to serve yeah you know yep. what i mean and and so you you realize that uh, how yeah. m- what year like how, that how was 1991
0: re- well, i was right after the first year okay and i realized that uh, this is my purpose this is my ministry i need to be a servant leader and so how can i help these kids because they're in some in a rough situation you mm-hmm. can like, in my book, I talk about one kid named Miguel Valencia. He had 17 brothers and sisters. Holy I sick. said, what, do you have a crank on your hip? And your, <laughs> your mom had a crank on her hip and just kept popping them out, pop, 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 pop. And he thought it was Lucha Libre, and he came in with the mask. "Is Hey it coach, you Lucha Libre. And I go, no, it's not. It's collegiate <laughs> wrestling, but I'll take you anyway. "Well, oh, coach, can I jump off that pile of mats over there? I go, whatever, <laughs> dude. I just need bodies. So that kid's in the book, and he was just a character, funny, you know. What'd but he, you? Once you
1: once you realized, once you realized, hey, I'm here to serve, and and God spoke with you, mm-hmm. did the, the depression disappeared, right, or was it still?
0: There was there's always gonna uh, be, I always ba- battled with it, but I found out that you know. Those kids needed me as uh, as much as I needed them exactly all right So I threw my life into coaching and the more I kept busy the less I'd think about it mm-hmm. If there was any downtime or there's like in the summer when I wasn't teaching and coaching Then I could feel it start to creep its way mm-hmm. back in so I just wrestled year-round We just wrestled year-round and I just hauled them all over the place and took them to tournaments wherever we could go and we'd do little vacations and t- go down to San Diego camp out or Lake Arrowhead, oh, yeah. or we would take trips to San Francisco at Christmas time and Washington state and Reno and Las Vegas. So I raised a lot of money back then about 50 grand a year. So no kid could ever tell me, Oh, I don't have the money, you know, so uh-huh. we could do those trips and then I could afford to send them to wrestling camps and clinics and things like that. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. That's real inspiring. Oh yeah. Thanks. Okay. The kids,
1: Let's be honest. They're all funny, right? Coming they, from broken homes, they come to school, and you, you, mm-hmm. you started warming up to them, and you started getting nicknames for them and yes. all that. They,
0: they are funny. I mean, I've coached at Marina, and now I'm helping my son at Costa Mesa, and they're nice kids, and they got great grades, and they come from good homes. Uh, and but, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Coaching at Santa Ana is very difficult, but they <laughs> are hilarious. And, oh, I can t- man, I, can tell I have you. so many stories of funny things that we did together and stuff that they did. And, and I got to try to integrate more of those funny stories in my book. I didn't put enough of them in there. But so how things. how many years did you coach I was wrestling. there for 29 years. 29 years. years. Yeah. And how many championships and So in the 29 years we won while I was there we we won 27 straight league titles in a row. They just won their 28th this last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we won 13 CIF championships what, we, di-
1: what division is that?
0: Is they're different divisions. Division. Every year we'd be division one or division two, division three. And how do they do so the rankings with that? The You mean how do they yeah, decide, decide what division? Yeah. It, it's not based on school size. It's just kind of based on uh, a uh, strength of your leagues. It's based on strength of the leagues. Mm-hmm. So there's this serpentine, and it's all really complicated. And But uh, they would change them every two years. So we would jump around based on mm-hmm. how good that whole league would do during the last two years, the, the previous years of wrestling. So how long did it take for you to
1: serve? You know, once you said, I'm going to serve start serving these kids, how long did it take for you guys to
0: get that championship? Because I- so and we were losing 72 to nothing to Huntington Beach High School. The next year we lost to them by six points. And then my third season, we beat them 55, 25. And we won our first league title. So really, to be honest with you, It happened pretty quickly. In the third year, we were winning league championships. By 96, in six years, we won a CIF title, and then we had this phenomenal streak for about almost nine years of winning CIF championships and placing kids in the state tournament. Mm -hmm. We took fourth in the state in 1999. So to go from one of the worst programs in Orange County in 1991 Mm -hmm. to being one of the – we were ranked 22nd in the nation in 1999. How many assistant
1: so, coaches did you
0: have? Do you have any? Well, you have when any? you're winning, you get a lot. <laughs> when I was losing uh, a few of them would show up and then I wouldn't see him for a I week to go back. You. Yeah. Yeah. They had the same excuses. I got to go pay my bills. So, but it's funny how people will jump on the bandwagon when you're winning. So after we started winning, they were coming out of the woodwork and, and then you have alumni too that will come back and help you. My, uh, and they were a big, uh, Big proponent to the the wins is the, the alumni that would come back in and help. That's amazing. I know mm-hmm. I went to Warner Park High and the football
1: mm-hmm. program once I left, took a big leap, and mm-hmm. they, they played for a couple CIF championships. And sure. I, I don't know if they won. I think they might have won. No, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. I think – no, Sunny Hills. My daughter goes to Sunny Hills. I know they mm-hmm. just won their CIF Good. championship. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a lot of uh, things that go on with boosters and stuff like that. How How, how did you – What type of fundraisers did you do?
0: So we did firework stands. Uh, Probably the best thing I did was we would go help the politicians in their campaigns. So the kids would go out and walk precincts and phone bank for the local politicians. Mm -hmm. And in turn, those politicians would make donations to the wrestling program, give the kids a certificate, uh, you know, community service hours. And then we'd host wrestling tournaments. And anything that I could make a lot of money in a short amount of time, there was no more cookie sales, candy sales. They were horrible at that stuff. They would <laughs> if imagine. they sold it, they would keep the money <laughs> or they'd eat the candy bars. So all that stuff was out quickly. There was no discount card selling. It was just, we had a custom classic car show for years that mm-hmm. did really well. I, I was just into having like uh, events where these kids could show up and help out. And those always worked. So that's cool. And then man. the community, once they saw that we were doing well, there's a lot of people in the community that would come, come around and, and help out. Valencia Jewelry right down here on 4th Street, they mm-hmm. were huge uh, contributors to Santa Ana Wrestling. They were former Saints. And so that family made lots of contributions to the team and, and helped out as well. So several people in the community would come alongside of us and help. How long has it? Like, how
1: do you feel now
0: how the community of Santa Ana is
1: now compared to when you first moved in here?
0: I think the community as a whole is a lot better. Mm -hmm. When I used to drive through here, there was boarded up buildings just seemed really uh, depressing here. Uh, Today, it looks a little bit livelier. Mm -hmm. You're seeing down here, 4th Street, there's a lot of businesses. So I think, though, that economically i don't think people have gotten better economically mm-hmm. i think they're just as poor today as they were mm-hmm. 29 years ago in fact a lot of what i was dealing with towards the end of my career at Santa Ana was homeless kids mm-hmm. kids that were on their own without parents or they were living in garages or <clears throat> in a car it was just uh, – it was really difficult. So, so
1: towards the end, you started noticing kids are getting, being homeless.
0: Yeah, homeless kids without parents, homeless kids with parents, kids living in hotels with family members. And, and how so, did
1: these kids find their way to school? It, it, is that perseverance? Is that – I because think, obviously at that point, the government's not going to come or social workers are going to come looking for all no, these kids.
0: No, I think – School was their safe haven. That was where they're going to get their free lunch and their free breakfast. So Mm -hmm. they know they're going to have some kind of meal that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was just kind of a place of solitude. And the wrestling room was a haven for them. Mm -hmm. And so a kid could find himself showing up at 7 a.m. and stay until 5 or 6 at night. And there's always going to be an adult supervision around or somebody like myself or other teachers at that school that care. Mm -hmm. And then to go home and... I mean, why would anybody want to go home if there's no home to go to and some kid, I had this kid named Julio Fierro. He, he would go home to a, a garage and there's no electricity, no heat. he said he went to the bathroom in a bucket. He had nowhere to do his homework. So why would you want to go home to that? You, you're going to stay wherever you can Uh stay. uh I would leave the wrestling room open maybe up till seven o'clock at night. I would always be the first one there and the last one to leave. So, so what gave, what gave
1: you the, the courage, the, the mindset to say, you know what? I think I need to write a book.
0: Oh, so I had a couple of friends, a friend of mine that was a teacher there, Daryl Killing. He would always say, Hey, you got some great stories. You should write a book. And then my, uh, Dr. Uh, Mitch Wananabe, he comes every year and does free physicals for the kids Okay, and cool. the whole sports program. And he would say, hey, you should write a book. So I started jotting things down back in 2000, just kind of taking notes. Mm-hmm. And then I figured out I was a very slow typist. Mm-hmm. So I started recording a lot of stuff and, and hired a ghostwriter for my first edition. And just and then I put it down for a while because I thought, who's going to want to read this? And I guess you could say the devil is kind of telling me, oh, Nobody's going to read your book. Nobody wants to read your book. You don't have anything to say. And then I went to the NCAAs in 2009, mm-hmm. and some guy was selling a book about wrestling called The Adventures of Mike and Maddie. And I bought it, and it was like a fictional book. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, my gosh, if this guy can do it, I can do it. And mm-hmm. so I hustled home and and finished writing it. And how, found long, a, how long did it take you to from start well, to finish? To get well, the book? I started in 2001, one, two, and finished in 2000. I got my first – publication in 2010 it's almost 10 years wow yeah it, it was a lot feel? of work how
1: do you feel being a writing a book man that's amazing that's a big accomplishment it, it
0: feels good but the hardest part is marketing as you would know trying to yeah. market your podcast. podcast yeah and it's just frustrating because i probably got a good 50 grand tied into this book <laughs> in the last 15 20 years yeah of trying to promote it and market it and get it out there and and we're going to get it out there man. I so promise you that man. The thing I did is I um, I want
1: I was hearing the podcast you were recently on with with what was that doctor's name? Dr. Doctor... the podcast you were recently on. Oh, what oh,
0: the... Jay Moore. Yeah, doctor I was I was with Oh, no, Jay... no, you, Jay oh Moore. and then the Dr. Carol podcast. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. Uh, yeah. We won't say anything. But it, you know, I was able to talk... have Ant- Anthony on that podcast with me and yeah. I thought it went really well. Uh, yeah, we're
1: going to get Anthony yeah, on in a yeah. bit. I'm going to pick at your brain a little bit more.
0: But I uh, wrote curriculum for my book. So uh, my last year teaching at Santa Ana High School, my principal said I could teach the curriculum in my English class. So now there's curriculum that matches up with the book. What
1: kind of curriculum are you teaching from the book? So it's
0: intrinsic motivation. So we might Miguel Valencia's chapters on um, making choices. There's one on forgiveness. There's. You know, goal setting, uh, you know, writing a letter of advice to a friend who's in trouble or not mm-hmm. making good choices. So there's, there's a lot of different uh, lesson plans, and I've okay. had good feedback on it. Mm-hmm. The kids liked it a lot, but it's just a matter of getting it in the right hands or the right textbook company and and just finding the right way to market it and get it out I to was, schools. I was,
1: the one thing the, the doctor said on the podcast you were on recently, she mentioned this should be a movie and and i had to agree with that Mm -hmm. you know the only thing i agreed with on that podcast was what she said it should be a movie like a stand and deliver sure you know and 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 i I see it happening you know you just got to keep you know
0: well in 2003 nitro from american gladiators i don't mm -hmm. know if you ever remember that yeah the 80s so he read an article about our big dual meet with the christian school calvary chapel he got a hold of me We had some things lined up that fell through. I've had a few opportunities met with a few people, producers here and there. Mm -hmm. It gets rolling and then all of a sudden it kind of falls. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's people that know about it. There's uh, two or three scripts out there floating around that have It'd been be written. It'd be a good Netflix one or so an Amazon Prime. Or, it's just a matter of somebody or having. Or even
1: Disney. Disney yeah. should book it. They got Disney Plus now. That'd so. be a
0: good Disney movie too. Yeah, well, we just uh, gotta find the right person. Yeah, and God's gonna, somebody God's who gonna believes in it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it. And, that and that's what happen. I want to use. I want it to be a platform for me to be able to go out and speak to other people and say. You need to be a servant leader. You need to find mm-hmm. that one kid that's really hurting and needs you to walk alongside of them in that journey they're going on uh, so that they can have a little more hope. So that's that's kind of my message in my book. My call to action is mentor somebody that needs mentoring and, you know, somebody that everybody else gave up on. And Anthony was that kind of kid everybody I think in our school was giving up on. And uh, what made you – <clears throat> Put the certain kids in your book. Obviously, you, you've you've coached hundreds of students. What well, Talk about those some of those kids particular the, kids. Those kids in the book were the ones that were there when I first got started, quite a few of them, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that found some success after wrestling. So I wanted people to understand that even though you might be a, involved in drugs or you might be a car thief or you might make really poor choices or you were a criminal at one time, that your life can change and uh-huh. you can have – you can have hope and there's something down the road for you. And there is purpose and you can become, you know, whatever you decide you want to become. Mm-hmm. Ronnie was the first chapter and he was a punk and he was a car thief and he was a liar and he stole from me. And that whole chapter is about forgiveness. But now he's a social worker up at Tacoma, Washington. Wow. He's a strong Christian, teaches Bible study he calls me once a month just to check in mm-hmm. his life's changed. It's, it's, he understands that the, the circumstances and what he went through, he can use those to help other kids, which he's doing. So, yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah. So how, you, what are you doing over retirement? How many years you've been retired now? Six months, six months retired. Yeah. So I'm helping my son at Costa Mesa high school with their wrestling program. I'm trying to market my book and go out and do some speaking here and there, looking at putting some coaches workshops together and just getting things done around the house. want to get a kitchen remodel done. Uh, got my hands in them um, probably a few too many projects mm-hmm, and spread mm-hmm. myself a little too thin mm-hmm. But I just wanted to make sure I was gonna keep busy So I'm waiting on the Lord to just kind of say this is what I have next for you. Okay, so well, what made you retire? I
1: mean you see you, you look
0: like you could gone. Oh, a yeah, more. if I would have stayed till 60 I would have been doing really well financially. I felt the Lord calling me away. I felt it was time I think uh, it was it, they needed new blood in there Um, My son was getting into high school. He's 15. I have another son that's 13. The opportunity was there for me to be able to spend more time with my sons. And I thought it's time to invest in my own kids. How old are your sons right now? uh, 15 and 13. Okay. And I figured it's time to invest in them and to make sure that they become, you know, men of integrity and and quality young men and and be good fathers and, and husbands down the road. And I've done that for these kids for the last 29 years. And it's it's time for the young guys to come in and, and take the reins and hopefully, you know, learn from me and pass that on to these kids. So uh, I, it was right. I, I mean, yeah, of course, we all go, oh, man, I could make so much more more money if I stay four more years or, <laughs> you know, I, I gave up a lot. But my wife is a teacher at Loera High School, mm-hmm. and she's... Uh, younger she's still got another 15 years and so we're we're doing well and the lord's blessing me i'm i'm doing fine financially i haven't had any issues with any of that so you know you you don't get you don't feel uh man i wish i was you know
1: back there and miss those kids i miss
0: the kids individually one-on-one i really do it breaks my heart that i'm not around but in the classroom i don't miss that because that was just (laughs) a big fight Uh, Put your cell phone away, kids are talking back. I don't know if you know this or not, Steve, but there's this thing called restorative practices, and so kids are not getting suspended anymore. Uh, They can cuss me out, they can throw crap at me, they can come in with uh, drugs, they can come in high, and now what we're doing uh, is just talking to them, because, and I I agree, there's a lot of trauma that they face and deal with. Mm but there's no consequences for their actions or how they might hurt others or mm-hmm. cause others not to be able to learn in the classroom. So they're just allowed to come back in the room that period or the next day without any real consequences. So and what are
1: they doing? Just talking to them? Talking to them.
0: Just having Does a seem conversation Does that have any type them. of
1: effect on them? Or
0: um, just- I think some of the studies that are coming out now are saying, yeah, this isn't really working. It brings uh, teacher morale down we feel like we're not getting the support mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of authority mm-hmm. so if a kid just says f you glab uh okay you know what what am i gonna do uh the, there's you know back when you and i were kids if we told a teacher to f off oh. we'd be suspended mm-hmm. and then we got some time to think about what we did mm-hmm. and then hopefully our parents would Give us a nice little. Butt why, did they, why did they
1: decide to stop uh, suspending them?
0: So Obama administration felt that there was um, disproportionately uh, kids of color being suspended more than those uh, you know, of Caucasian color. Uh-huh. Uh, they called it the pipeline to prison. Uh-huh. So they felt that these kids needed to get a, a more of a fair shake. And. uh So they decided to kind of put this thing through called restorative practices where they're going to get in a circle and we're going to talk about our problems and we're going to understand you a little bit better, which is all well and good. I agree with all of that, but we still have to have a consequence for your action Mm -hmm. and not just saying "Ah, that's okay. We're going to let you get away with this one and the next one and the next one. So uh, tardies, kids are walking in late. 10 minutes 15 minutes 30 minutes late into my first period class and there's no more detention just depends on what, what school did you te- what, what did i taught you teach english, english? Okay. yeah it depends on what school and what school district you're in uh-huh. but uh, it's by and large it's across the nation uh-huh. i have a principal friend up in washington and people that are in a i teach a classes for concordia university a uh-huh. master's program and it's across the country it's just not california it's a, it's kind of sweep the nation with this restorative practice so, concept
1: so the kids are, are not getting suspended they're going crazy and you started a, a program called fca yeah can you uh,
0: uh, talk it, to the it's fellowship of christian athletes and when did you start that i started it well when i was at marina i started that in 1988 and then i got to santa ana and after my first year realizing that i wasn't getting anywhere with these kids. And I became a Christian at 13 years old and I mm-hmm. thought, well, it worked for me. So I started what's called fellowship of Christian athletes. It's nationwide. It started back in the fifties and it's a kind of a campus ministry, sports ministry. So after practice on Mondays, we would have FCA in the gym and I would have guest speakers and we'd play some games and eat some pizza. And it just kind of grew from there. And in the summers, they have an FCA camp for wrestling, all sports FCA. And so I'd, raise scholarships or they'd give scholarship money to send the kids to camp. And as the years would go on, I'd send 10, 20, then 30 kids to camp. And mm-hmm. so it just kind of grew. These kids need something to gravitate to. They need mm-hmm. something to hold on to, to have hope in. Mm-hmm. And so it just shows that, hey, this guy's showing up after school. It's five o'clock already and we're doing a, a little Bible study. Well, that's pretty cool. Let's go. What are we going to do? Hey, we free pizza? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where it started and man and of all this there. stuff
1: with wrestling teaching mm-hmm. you know fca program
0: yeah what time you get home from work i mean well then i was single the girlfriend i moved down here for yeah. broke up with me <laughs> and moved back to washington so it's like okay so i didn't really have a life so that was my life man, you know being a servant amazing. leader grinding yeah. it was grinding and it, it's tough but you know this is what you're called to do well so, you look good
1: man you look oh, healthy thanks. you
0: look good man yeah i feel good i feel better Now, you know, there's less stress, (laughs) less stress. Yeah. No Sunday night anxiety for Monday morning to come. So, yeah. So one person I want to
1: talk to in particular about because I'm a big UFC fan uh-huh. and I know you coached him. Can you talk to me a little bit about Gilbert Melendez? UFC Gilbert.
0: Fighter? Oh yeah. Gilbert El Nino Melendez. How yes. did he get the name? <sighs> I didn't
1: get to that chapter. I wanted oh. to, you to tell me.
0: Okay. So I guess he was fighting in Japan and he's one of those ground and pound mm-hmm. at Santa Ana. We had this break them and take him style type wrestling where we're just going to take you down, let you up, take you down, let you up, take you down, let you up. So he fights that way where he just keeps throwing blows and just oh. keeps coming and doesn't really take a break in there. So the Japanese oh, nicknamed him El Nino, you know, the storm mm-hmm. is coming. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of how he got his nickname. He just, he, this kid knows how to grind it out. Uh, you know, if you saw him in high school, he was like 125 pounds, skinny, curly haired kid. Mm-hmm. You would have never thought he'd be one of the top fighters at one time. Pound for pound was one of the top fighters in the world at one time when he Mm -hmm. was with strike force. So yeah, it's been a blessing just having him coming out of our program. His father, Gilbert senior still helps us out. I saw him the other night at the big Calvary chapel, Santa Ana duel, Mm -hmm. you know, he and I still keep in touch. Gilbert and I are working on a project together. And so it's just neat that he's still involved and, and still gives a lot of credit to Santa Ana high school. That's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's neat to be able to have, Alumni that still give back and and help out the kids. So well, speaking of uh,
1: giving back, I think it's time for Anthony to get on the mic. And, sure. Uh, g- give us your story, Anthony. I-, I want you to come on and and tell the the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, tell them what the coach done for you. Anthony's, uh, you know, tell me your age and everything. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to briefly yeah.
0: though say that Anthony was the kind of kid that everybody in school gave up on. He was the nightmare that you'd have come into class you would probably want him to sleep in class. He slept in class and if he wasn't sleeping in class, he was a smart ass the whole time and then he wouldn't get any work done. So I got a lot of phone calls about him from his teachers (laughs) and he's the kind of kid that most would wanna just say, I'm done with him. The thing is is he'd show up for wrestling every day. Mm -hmm. He came to wrestling every day and so I don't give up on a kid that's showing up every day to school. And then later on, I found out what he was really going through. And once we find out their story and what they're enduring and what's really happening at home and what's happened in their life, it's much easier to kind of endure them, how put do up you, with them.
1: Before we, yeah, before we get to mm-hmm. them. How do how when you find out they're coming from broken homes and certain things are mm-hmm. going on, how do you help them? Besides, hey, it's gonna be all right, and you know, here's five bucks
0: or let me yeah. buy you some food.
1: How, how do you combat stuff like that?
0: Cause how, how do you help a kid? Yeah, how do you help him? I you mean, just stand alongside of him and just say, I'm here for you and don't give up on him. Mm-hmm. And if he needs something, you try to provide it for him. Mm-hmm. You know, a as far of, as
1: shelter, what would you do for shelter?
0: Shelter, I would usually find a, a former wrestler or find a friend on the team that would help. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I did a lot of work with the politicians. So US Congressman Lou Correa became a, a good friend of the teams and he sent his son to Santa Ana and wrestled. So he would help me also find places for the kids to, to be able to stay. So it's just getting on a the lot phone. Of good, yeah, getting it's a lot getting of on the phone and making phone calls and finding out how can we take care of this kid? Because we don't want this kid out on the street. We don't want this kid, you know, sleeping on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And so there's always somebody with a good heart that's gonna you know help take a kid in or find a way to provide shelter for them that's cool man yeah
1: and it's just learning on the way as you go grow, you yeah. know, growing and going what do I do what do I cuz mm-hmm. sometimes I can in, in the I want to help people and then it's like mm-hmm. I don't know where to start yeah you know and yep. you know
0: I'll tell you where to start start with all those politicians because they all have uh, campaign offices they have staff of people that that are there that'll help and I don't think people realize that, that you can call them because you're a constituent, uh-huh. you know, whoever your congressman is, your state senator, your assemblyman in your area. That's what they're there for. They're there for for helping yeah the people. So that's what I started doing is reaching out to them and they have those okay. sources. Yeah. I they just
1: had st- uh, sorry to cut you off. I just had yeah. Manny Escamilla shout out to him. Yeah. He was on the podcast. He ran for city council. He went door to door throughout Santa Ana Yeah,
0: and he lost by 160 something votes. Oh you yeah. Know? It's tough. Those campaigns are tough, but that's what they're there for. They're not just to do politics in the state or DC, but they're, they're to there help. to help their community. So just reach out to them. So, yeah, we'll get Anthony yeah, on Anthony
1: here. Anthony, come on the mic, man. Let's hear your story, man. Everybody wants to hear it. Give us a second, folks. We're uh, switching seats. What's up, brother? Welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, Say what's up on. to everybody.
2: Hey, what's up, everyone?
1: Make sure, man, get on the mic, brother. I want to hear your story.
2: There you go. I, uh, I'm 20 years old. I was born in June 17th, 1999. And uh, pretty much growing up, like we moved everywhere a lot. I was born in Fullerton, but we went back and forth between Anaheim, Orange. Where would you grow up in Fullerton? What part? What streets? Because um, I'm right there by the Fullerton Airport. I'm like downtown Fullerton. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Yeah. Not really where the bars are at, but like are like on the on the ghetto side. You say. Oh, they're off
1: of Valencia. Yeah. 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 Right I there, know what right you're there. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. right. I think that's uh, what is that, Toker's Town? I I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. a gang over there. Um. So, what? At what age did you move out of Fullerton?
2: Well, I was just born there. We okay, kept on moving there. around, and we settled in Anaheim for a while, and then uh, we stayed at Orange, and then I went to kindergarten West Orange Elementary School. Okay, and then we moved back and forth from Orange to Santa Ana, and then I started third grade in Santa Ana, and then ever since then I've just been here. And so, how how did you get in contact with 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 wrestling and and coach? lab and all that well at first i didn't want to do it because like like i thought it was just kind of gay because yeah yeah you know but like growing up i was always fighting mm-hmm. you know it's uh, was at just fighting at what age did you start getting into wrestling at age i started getting into wrestling at you're a freshman f- yeah okay years old i was 15 all right so what happened during those times in high school what while you're wrestling what, what kind of home did you co- come from um well like it was kind of like up and downs. There was always like bumps in the roads growing up. Like, well, from as long as you remember, it was very hectic. You know, like we got a house shut up on a lot. It was kind of like a trap house, you know? So and you grew then, up in a trap house? Yeah, pretty right. much, you know? And then uh, my parents kind of got their shit together. Like, uh, my my pops, well, my dad, well, I call him, my real, he's my stepdad, but he met my mom when I was two. Okay. So he pretty much raised me. So, they both got off drugs, and they got their shit together. How old were they when they got off of drugs and everything? Um, I don't remember. How old was your mom when she had you? When she had me? Yeah. She's, like, f- about to be 50, and I'm 20 right now, so. I think, yeah, 30, maybe. 30? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then my stepdad's, like, 10 years younger than her, so. Okay, so they turned things around They turned things and around And then they moved you to Santa Ana Yeah, we, we, got a, we got a house we, we rented a house We lived there for about like 10 years mm-hmm. And then I started noticing changing When I hit my freshman year mm-hmm. So like I started seeing like little patterns here and there and So they got clean and then they got dirty again Yeah, yeah okay. See, like I, I kind of figured out that like Since my stepdad was a lot younger than my mom He still wanted to party Yeah And my mom was just over it, you know and She just wanted to like support us and stuff and for a while They were fighting a lot Always arguing and stuff How and many then, brothers and sisters Did you have? Uh There's seven of us in all Wow Okay I, I'm the middle child Yeah There's two younger ones than me Alright Alright So yeah. continue
1: So uh Continue on
2: Yeah So like uh At one point I realized That uh They stopped arguing Mhm. And then I was like Okay that's a little weird Then I didn't think Nothing of it and Then I walked in the room A few times And like, it was like Really foggy in there But like there's, like, no smell, you know? like mm-hmm. So I was just, like, and I was just looking at their, like, the way they were acting, how the body mm-hmm. language was. And I was just, like, damn, dude, they're really back on drugs again. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, all right. So uh, when I hit 17 years old, I was, like, well, I was, like, dealing a lot. I was kind of, like, I was selling a lot of drugs in school. What kind of drugs were you selling? I was selling, like, painkillers. We How'd you get a hold of the painkillers? I stole them from my friend's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had, like, back problems. What kind did she have? She had, Vicodin? Like, Vicodin, it was Vicodin, yeah. yeah. And then, like, she had a big-ass, like, jar filled with just Vicodin. I was like, what the hell? I was like, hey, bro, can I take something? He's like, just take them, bro. Like, she won't even notice it. I was like, all really? right. Really? She so, won't even notice it? Yeah.
1: I'd notice back in the days if I was missing a big old vial of well, Vicodin. Apparently,
2: didn't? she didn't, so I, I just kept on taking them. Every time she got a prescription filled. So Wow. Uh, I was just selling a lot of those. How much were you selling per pill? Like ten bucks, twenty bucks. Dang. You know? Yeah, yeah. Kids, they, they, if they don't know this shit, like they'll buy it off you. You know, like. So you started dealing at what? Sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, yeah. Dang. That's when I started needing money, and then like I started helping out my mom a little bit. I started shooting her cash, mm-hmm. but then like she, I don't know what she was spending on. So. You use it on drugs? Probably, dude, most likely.
1: So, what happened? as far as wrestling you know did you
2: do were you dealing in wrestling at the well, same time or yeah did you get yeah cleaned? pretty much okay like, uh in high school like i probably would have done a lot better because i was a real alcoholic in high school mm-hmm. like at the time i just thought of it i was just like having fun everybody you know? like i just thought it was just a fun thing to do like i was just having fun but now what were I'm you drinking jack daniels oh man my bad <laughs> no yeah, yeah. I'm jack Daniels no it's right cool now. man yeah, it doesn't no. it doesn't bother me dude. Yeah, yeah. um wrestling really helped with my mental part what you know?
1: did you uh what did you do for uh to get it? did you steal it did yeah somebody I stole, buy it for
2: you? I would steal it or yeah, I was mostly just steal it yeah. most of the time,
1: so you started you started to fall in your mother's you know in your stepdad's. There. you know going down that line yeah what yeah. what made you say you know what man i got to stop dude or, or i'm gonna end up like them
2: uh, a big part of it was a very few of my friends and glad like my friend ed mm-hmm. he's the one that introduced me into wrestling he's like hey you should get to wrestling like try it out just try it for a week i was like nah dude's gay blah 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 like you're all rolling on the ground with each other this and <laughs> that He said, like, just try it bro he's like you're a pussy huh i was like man like mm-hmm. i was like all right and I tried it, and then I just sort of stayed, but I didn't really fully dedicate myself my freshman year. Uh-huh. And then I met another friend. Well, I, I consider him my family because he took me in. Uh-huh. His name is Andrew Maldonado. Uh-huh. And he was just like, he really, like, inspired me to, like, actually try, you uh-huh. know? So I was like, all right, dude. Like. And then, so, like, I was just trying and trying. And then, like, um I just kept drinking, though. I couldn't drop the drinking habit. Uh-huh. So, like, when I was cutting weight, I was cutting, like, 15 pounds a day. And then I drinking with that, it was just, like, it was really bad on my body. Wow. Yeah. I had a helper of mine,
1: uh, you know, because every year we get a, a helper for the busy season. And I always get people that are from the streets that are just looking, you know, for, for a job, just quick cash, you know, just trying to get their selves together. And one season, I had this guy. I forgot his name. He had just gone out of jail. He had, like, seven DUIs. So he was in jail for drinking and driving. And so he he was in jail. I think he served a couple of years and he got out and he was living in a halfway house and he became a helper. And so I, I try to help him. You know, I, I pick him up. I take him to my house, barbecue, take him to, you know, buy him lunch. And one day I caught him. He, he, he was drinking and he was yelling at customers, cussing at them. And I was like, what are you doing? You can't do that. And the busiest day of the year, I needed him to be there. And he wasn't there because he was withdrawing from alcohol. And I didn't know this, but he was drinking vodka. And there was a, where I parked my truck, I, during this busy season, I pulled a trailer. Well, that trailer, I taught him how to unhitch it, you know, and, and set it down while I'm in the truck sorting my boxes. And that day, he, w- he didn't show up. He stopped showing up. I had to do his part. And as I'm unloading the trailer, I'm looking behind because you back up against the wall, but it's 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 not a wall; it's bush. It's a big bush. They're just bushes that cover the cement wall. And I happen to see just little bottles of vodka shots right there uh, in the, behind the trailer where I parked it every day. And there had to be about sixty empty uh, vodka bottles. He was taking Damn. shots as a, you know in the morning. We're talking about nine thirty in the morning. And so when you talk about drinking you know i mean i, I know yeah. a few alcoholics man so you being young you're able to get off it right yeah yeah when's yeah. the last time you had a drink new year's okay yeah all I'm right you honest. got it under new control years. yeah cause, even uh, though you're not even 21 but we're not gonna mention <laughs> that you know uh
2: yeah man um so pretty much like after high school now i'm just like I'm really focused in boxing, because my buddy Andrew, he was mm-hmm. a boxer, and he was really good. Mm-hmm. thinking about trying it get an MA, MMA or yeah, something? Yeah, right maybe? now, I'm just, I'm just focusing on my You tracking. got wrestling
1: background, right? Yeah. yeah. Where are you boxing at?
2: Uh, TKO.
1: Okay. Boxing gym. Where, uh, where's uh, that located at?
2: Right here in Santa Ana. It's off of McFadden and Center. It's a little, like, gym oh, area. Yeah. yeah.
1: How much do they charge for you to... To go over there, you um, got somebody coaching you, or are you just going? To yeah, take my bag? coach is
2: Hector Lopez. Okay, he's a he's a really good coach. Like he knows what he's doing, but he's a little, he's a little rough, you know. Like mm-hmm. if you can't take like the the verbal abuse or just like you know, then so rest- well, boxing's not for you, period. You know, yeah, or wrestling.
1: So coach Glab got you got you straight, you know, helped you out. Wrestling helped you out. Yeah. What can you tell the people out there that are that are listening that got kids or they know? Kids
2: that are are going through what what you've been through. What 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 kind of advice could you give give them? Honestly, like you're not alone. No, there's like plenty of people are going through the same thing, or most likely even worse. Because I met kids who were going through like a whole lot of shit that was completely worse than mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've talked to them, and then like and like next thing you know, like I see them like graduate high school because i would see kids like because i was going to school my senior year from eight in the morning to eight at night mm-hmm. i had 250 credits to make up and then like the last i needed like i think two more classes i had 50 credits to graduate and then i, I couldn't complete it on time so i mm-hmm. graduated late but then i saw this kid you know i was just talking to him like hey man like just just get it done bro like the shit's easy dude like a little mm-hmm. a little kid could do this mm-hmm. like it's just that's bullshit you know you just got to get it done and then, like, I just see him just, like, trying and shit. So I was like, oh, wow. Like, me actually speaking to him actually helped him out. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you ever talk about being a, a coach or maybe? Uh, a, I go to a, a Santa Ana
1: a few times to help out. That's cool, man. Yeah. So what are you doing now? How many years have you been graduating? You graduated from? I think
2: it's about, like, a second year.
1: Okay, you've been yeah. two years off. What, are, what what plans have you got besides boxing? What are you doing? Work, school, uh, you know, keeping, you got to keep busy, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Right now, I start school February 10th for auto mechanics and i'm gonna be a welder okay yeah so i'm going to school for that and then i got like, a job at amazon delivering packages and stuff that's cool man yeah that's awesome man and also yeah. to the parents so if your kids open up to you and like tie you things when you get mad at your kids do not use that against them mm-hmm. once you do that to your kids they're gonna cut you off and the relationship between you and your kids is never going to be the same. How's your relationship with your mom and your, your it's, stepdad? It's now? really rough still because they would do that all the time to me. Like, mm-hmm. they'll always be like, oh, like, why don't you ever open up? Why don't you ever talk to us? Because the one time that I did do that and they got mad at me for some little something I did and they used it against me. Mm-hmm. It's just like the whole dynamic of the r- relationship just changes. Like, you feel like you can't trust them certain things anymore. And, like, it's just it's just it just changes. You know, you lose that trust. How they do it now?
1: Are they still on drugs, you think?
2: Um, I feel like my mom. She's like, if I feel like how old she is and like how she got back on it, kind of just like perverted her brain. What do you
1: What do you think uh, is the craziest drug out
2: here right now? Meth. Yeah, that's always been it meth or like, like speed or feel like a rich man's drug, like cocaine and yeah. stuff. Yeah, meth is the I've one. I've seen meth
1: ruin a lot of lives. Yeah, and I've also seen people come back from it. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, it's. It, it, they call it the de- devil's dandruff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and once it gets a hold of you, man. It, yeah, man, it, it's hard to come back. I've, I've
2: seen it with de- do to people from beginning to end. You know, like I used to watch my brother just shoot up in his arm in our room. And you shit. shoot meth in his arm? Yeah, Holy dude. Like, I'll watch him do it, and like I'll just like watch him to make sure like he's good. You know, like. I was just like, fuck. You sure he, wasn't a heroin? I never heard of it. He could shoot up math. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I just see him do it. He just like mixes it with water and he burns it on a spoon. Yeah. And it dissolves and he just like gets a syringe and then he just. And shoots it makes it up. you. Doesn't it get you going? No, He's, meth doesn't. He says, yeah, he says that like you feel it right away. You just feel like wired and like you just you would be like that. I feel freak. like my heart would
1: explode, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude.
2: My family's kind of crazy, man. They're a bunch of drug addicts. And sh- and sh- How about your brothers and sisters? How are they all doing? The little ones? Uh, my little sister talks to me a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we go skate a lot. Oh, stuff. you like to skateboard? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That was my thing before I should wrestling. get you
1: back on here. I have a, a customer of mine. Her her stepson is a professional skateboarder. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And, yeah, so I'm going to have him on the show pretty soon. Uh, shout out to uh, Rudy Moreno. He's going to be on the podcast soon when I when I get an opening, and you should come over and, and check it out, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, I will.
1: So, yeah. is their mom, except are they working, or what are they um,
2: do? Right now, they're living in a hotel still since, like, uh, I would say 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've just been going hotel to hotel. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, i just been, for a while, I'll just show up just to make sure the little ones are good. How old are the little ones? Uh, my sister, she's 15, mm-hmm. and my little brother is like nine. Are they going to school? And yeah, yeah. I'm making that? sure they are. Like, Dang. I used to because for a while they stopped going to school. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I started giving my mom shit about it. I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, make them go to school. Like, don't f- let them sit in this hotel all day. Like, so they're not even working? Just, oh, uh, my mom recently just got a job. Okay. So uh, I think she just takes care of old people. hmm. Again, yeah. Well, you're holding yourself pretty well, young man. I'm proud <laughs> of you, bro.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? My dad uh, used to tell me, he goes, if you're going to do something, do it while you're young. Because when, you when you get my age or, or, or Coach Glass, man, that energy, that th- drive, it sort of diminishes a bit. Now, I'm not saying a lot, but I'm at my – you know what I mean? I started this podcast. I'm 39, you know, and it, it was good, you know what I mean? But when you're young, you just have that drive, that energy just to, to get it, man. So I want I want you to continue doing what you're doing, man. And if you ever need anything – You you got my I'm gonna give you my information and I got your back, dude. If you even want to come over and just watch the Super Bowl, you're if you want to come over for the Super Bowl next weekend, you're more than welcome to. You know, my house is always open for people. You know that that have gone through tough times or are going through tough times because that's why I started this podcast for is to give information out there to people that you know have never heard you know of certain things. Like I had uh, guys come on talk about kratom, people didn't know about that. uh, This podcast is here to help people. And I'm, and I'm here to help people. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came. And when Coach talked about you, I said, man, get you on. I heard you on the prior podcast. So, you know, you, you're you part of the Raider and the Saint podcast now, man. This is a family. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're part of the family now. And I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, Coach, is there anything else you want to say before we go? Uh,
0: no, I think I said about everything. I just want to reiterate that kids like anthony need somebody to you know believe in them and although we want to give up on them Mm -hmm. there are several times i wanted to kick them off the team but if they just keep coming back every day you know you got Mm -hmm. to put up with some of the crap because a lot of what they're going through isn't really their fault a lot of it's based on the circumstances they're in and who they're living with but uh I think if we just become servant leaders, learn to give back and believe in somebody, that they'll be able to find their way out eventually. Not all of them do, but you know what? I've had a lot of them, like Anthony, that I put a lot of time and effort and invested a lot into, and they just decided that they were gonna go the opposite way and continue living their life poorly but you never know which one's going to change and which one's not so
1: we'll tell the people how
0: they can get a hold of you how they can get a hold of oh, your yeah. book so my book's on Amazon it's a saint in the city and it's the second edition it's a saint in the city true stories of champions in the barrio and I have a website a saint in the city.com I'm on Instagram a saint in the city I'm also on Instagram with Scott Glab G L A B B, and Yeah, if you need to get a hold of me, you can just find me out there, shoot me a message. I'm on Facebook as well. And if there's anything I can do or go out and share this story with other kids, if you'd like to take a look at my curriculum that goes with the book, Uh, yeah, love for you to reach out to me and I'm open to go speak and share my message anywhere I can. So thanks for bringing me on, Steve. Hey, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. I
1: appreciate you, Anthony, man. This has been a really great podcast. And I hope it inspires all you folks at home. Yes. If you can, please refer this podcast to someone who hasn't listened to it and inform them of what we're doing over here in the city of Santa Ana. That's right. And if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me on the Raider and the Saint at IG or Instagram. Or if you want to email me, you can email me, the Raider and the Saint at Outlook.com. I also on Facebook, and I also have a website that's not up and running, but it'll put you on my Facebook. It's called the and the Saint.com. So just type in the Raider and the Saint. I'm all over. That's saying that I'm out. I love you guys. You guys have a good week and I'll see you next week. Oh, no, I'm taking next week off for the Super Bowl. I'm going to relax. But the following week I have have a very special, another special guest coming on. It's going to be real informative. So I love you guys. You guys have a great week. And I'll see you guys next time on the Raider and the Saint. (laughs) Hey, <laughs> oh. that's good. It's
0: cool. fun. It's good, man. Yeah. It's good. It's, they post all that stuff and shoot it off to me, and I'll I'll get it sent out. It's yeah, a good start. Good job, Steve. Yeah. Thanks. Good job, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Fun.
1: And let's stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Still recording. A little
0: thing after we're well, You yeah. 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 Probably right now. Because this why you uh, uh, do it. Yeah they do. I we
1: have,